Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gen J Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Heffington, and this show is brought to you by your friends at Generation Joshua. As we travel around the country working with young leaders, we meet all sorts of amazing people who are working to change their corner of the world for the better. If you've ever been to one of our iGovern camps, you've probably heard from some of these people. But we thought that it would be awesome if we could sit down for some in-depth conversations and get their stories on the record so that we could share them with the greater Gen J community. This podcast is the culmination of that process, and we think that you're going to find these conversations encouraging and inspiring. So go ahead, pop in your headphones, connect to your Bluetooth speaker, whatever you got to do, and let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gen J Podcast. I'm here today to have a conversation with Tim Phillips, the president of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, Tim has served as AFP's president since 2006. His tenure has seen the organization grow to over 3 million activists from all walks of life with full-time permanent staff in 36 states. He is a veteran political strategist and one of the nation's premier grassroots organizers. His 30 years of experience include presidential, gubernatorial, and congressional races, as well as state legislative, local, and issue advocacy campaigns. In 1997, with Ralph Reed, he helped found Century Strategies, one of the nation's leading public affairs, political consulting, and public relations firms. In 1992, Tim managed U.S. Representative Goodlatz, a Republican from Virginia, uh, his first congressional campaign, and later served as Representative Goodlatte's chief of staff on Capitol Hill for four years. He was named a rising star in politics in 1998 by Campaigns and Elections Magazine, one of Politico's top 25 public policy players in 2012, and one of the Politico 50 in 2014. He appears frequently on major news networks, including Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, Bloomberg TV, and in major publications such as the New York Times and the Washington Post. Tim and his wife, Julia, have been married for 32 years and are the proud parents of four children. I can't wait to talk about all of this. Tim, thanks for being on the show today. Always good. All right. Well, there is a lot to cover. I can't wait uh, to ask you some questions, hopefully hear some cool and uh, you know insider stories from all these different things <laughs> you've done. Um, but I want to start by going back to... to the, the beginning, which is where did you grow up and what kind of environment was it? I grew up in a little town called Lyman, South Carolina, about 1,200 people. My dad drove a bus, a charter okay. bus. My mom was a four to midnight uh, worker at a, a factory, blue collar. My dad's given name, Daniel, is Franklin Delano Phillips. No way. Yeah, he That's was born awesome. in 33, uh, named after FDR, the, the famous you know, liberal Democrat yep. president. Yep. Uh, we grew up in a blue collar Democrat household that was active in politics, okay. local machine politics. I grew up knocking on doors and, and one of my first jobs was I got paid five cents for every campaign sign for our candidates that I would get in the yard of a person Whoa. and 10 cents if I got a sign in a business because there was more traffic oh, sure, there. Sure, of course, yeah. And I did that for like Democrat machine campaigns. Wow. And then 1970, I'm going to show my age. I was okay. like 12 or something like that. Sure. We're watching Walter Cronkite, the evening news, yep. my dad and I, mom yep. was at work. And this politician guy came on talking about some issue. And I said to my dad when the interview was over, dad, I'm going to be for that guy. He's running for president because Walter Cronkite says, mm -hmm. and my dad got up. This was before the days of the TV uh -huh. remote. You uh -huh. know, yep. he got up, turned off Walter Cronkite, oh my goodness. the evening news yeah, and said, boy, that guy is Ronald Reagan. He's a Republican. 
He's from California. We've got a Democrat and a Southerner, Jimmy Carter, running for re-election. That's who we're going to be for. But, Daniel, I hung tough. I joined like a Students for Reagan thing at my mm-hmm. high school a couple okay. of years later. And from that moment, really, I was a conservative uh, wow. Republican. And my dad eventually became a conservative. I mean, wow. well, he was conservative culturally. Yep. It's just over time. It took him a while to yep. realize you know, that uh, so many of the politicians that he'd been supporting were not pro-life. They, yeah. were, they were not for a lot of the pro-family yeah. issues. And frankly, on economic issues, they really weren't for the working man. They yep. were for the elites. Yep. So. yep. That's amazing. Do you remember what it was that Reagan said that convinced you to go for him? Yeah, he was talking about freedom and okay. in, how individuals were need to be respected. The individual need to be respected, and they yeah. needed to be, you know, given the empowered, and that yeah. the government needed to respect the individual's rights. He was really talking about, you know, the Constitution, yep. the Declaration yep. of Independence. I was a 13 or so year old kid. I didn't know all that at the time. Yeah. But he was talking about, frankly, about freedom. That sounds very Reagan-esque. And, uh, it I, does, I, doesn't I, it? I, I would have liked to, to have that be my first uh, presidential campaign that I was tuned into. That's fantastic. Um, so you, I was going to ask you what got you interested in politics, but that was interesting because you were you were kind of brought right into it. From how old were you when you first started doing this sign, this sign stuff? Again? Seven, eight years. Seven, old. eight years. Yeah, oh we we were very much. I, I um, my first paid paid job yeah. after the signs, like uh-huh. when you got money, was a paper route. Okay, sure. And so I remember I was in the seventh and eighth grade, um, and I would go collect the money on the mill villages, and okay. the mill villages were called a mill village was because back then. Uh, everybody in that little town yeah. worked in the mill. Oh, wow. And so all the little houses were a, a built around the big mill, the yep. big textile mill. Yep. And I remember I'd be out collecting the money for the paper route on Thursday and Fridays. Uh-huh. Uh, it was $1.15 a week, by the way, back then. I know wow. it's back in the day. I'm old, Daniel. I'm old. Hey, well, you know, I got... I, I got paid quarters for the lawn, yeah. so, you know. Well, you go. So <laughs> I remember that 4 o'clock shift would be going in, and my mom worked a 4 to midnight shift. Okay. And I remember thinking... You know, that's honorable work. My yeah. mom does that. I mean, that's good. Yeah. But what I want to do, I want to do something that like makes a difference somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I meant by that necessarily. Right. But as I got into high school and and then began thinking and looking at Reagan, who was my political hero, yep. I wanted to make a difference with my work. Now, you can make a difference in any line of work sure. with Christ sure. and, and with your hopes. It's, yeah. it, it's not, but I wanted my job, my career. Yep. To hopefully be a part of that. Yep. And that led me eventually to the Leadership Institute, Morton yeah. Blackwell, a guy who trained young conservatives. Um, we love it, Leadership It led Institute. me to yeah. a, a, an internship when I was 19 with the Reagan administration. Oh, wow. So in 1984, I took a semester off from Liberty uh, uh, University. Fantastic. Now, back then it was Liberty Baptist College, yep, but it yep. was Liberty University. And I went to Washington and I interned uh in 1984, wow. the, the winter with the Reagan administration. That's and that was something that was like a dream come true. Yeah. To, you know, to be a, but yeah. that really launched me um, into a career. That's incredible. Um, you mentioned the Leadership Institute, and we've done uh, a lot of Gen J students who will be listening to this have done some of the youth leadership schools that yeah, they do and incredible. some of the other stuff. Um, when you were getting involved with the Leadership Institute, what were they doing then? Like, what were the, the structure the same? Their flags, they were much smaller. Okay. Mr. Blackwell had just left the Reagan administration yep. where he had worked mm-hmm. and he had gone full time with Leadership Institute. Mm-hmm. They were about eight or nine employees. Oh, wow. Um, so it was much smaller. And they did a youth leadership school, which okay. was a two day school. They still do. Yep. That gave me the training 
that I needed. By the way, there was this beautiful young blonde working for Morton, <laughs> and she recruited me to this school. And I ended up marrying her, by the way, uh, Julia. That's You've amazing. met Julia, yeah. yeah. So I, she worked with Morton, and uh, so he also helped uh, bring us together That's in many incredible. respects. But it was the Youth Leadership School, which is still their two-day yeah. flagship. Yep. My son, Cabot Phillips, works for them, and yeah. he, he does great work. And, and But Morton Blackwell has trained multiple generations because one thing, if you're young, when you're young and you're trying to get into any field, yep. but I think especially politics, it helps to have mentors who mm-hmm. will invest in you, who will help guide you yeah. a little bit. You know, you guys do that at Generation Joshua. I've seen it at your schools. Mm. I've seen how you you pour your hearts and time into these these young folks, mm-hmm. these high school students, and you serve that way. I've seen the, the crew here yeah. do that over the years. Yeah. But that's so important in every career, but I think especially politics. Absolutely. Um, that's amazing. And what would you say, just just because I, I think that's a really good point. How do you establish that? Like if you're if you're you know listening, you're wanting to you're, you're a student, high school student, or maybe early college. You want to get involved. You want to get a mentorship. Do you just do you start by going to a leadership institute school or a, a Gen J I govern camp or or the how, most important do do? thing? If you're a young person wanting to get involved, the most important thing you can do is get into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Get into stuff. Yeah, politics is a people to people entity. Mm-hmm. You're not selling a product yep. like soap or, or a flat screen TV or yep. something. Yep. You're selling ideas, philosophy. You're sometimes helping sell a, a candidate yeah. perhaps, which yeah, yeah. is an honorable, good thing to be doing. Yep. That means meeting people. And in, in the process of meeting people, going to events, going to training organizations, going to seminars, getting out there, volunteering for local organizations and campaigns. Mm-hmm. And as you meet people, you'll identify people who are passionate, committed, some of the qualities you see in them, that's kind of what you are drawn to, mm-hmm. you're like. And, the, and when you think about mentor, don't ever walk up to someone and go, excuse me, sir or ma'am, I need you to be my mentor for the next 30 years. I'm going to need eight <laughs> to 10 hours. I'm not suggesting that. What it can be is just grabbing them and going at a, at a school or at a, at a, a, a training or at yep. some public event you're at yep. and asking them two or three questions, quick, mm-hmm. short. Hey, how did you get started in politics? Yeah. What, how did you def- how'd you figure out what to believe? What, yeah, what yeah. books did you read? Ask them, A, you'll get good information. Yep. But B, it'll tell them, hey, this is a really on-the-ball, mm-hmm. driven young person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep an eye on them. And then, and then say, how do I reach you? Are you on, are you yeah. on Instagram? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? Yeah. Or, you know, or is there an email address? Yeah. And, and, and so that's how you begin building a relationship. Don't do it by asking them to give you lunch every week for yep. the next 10 years. Yep. I mean, Morton Blackwell would have been horrified if I had said that yeah. to him. Oh my gosh, this crazy young guy, you know, with a deep Southern accent yeah. and he dresses terribly, which I don't dress much better these days. But anyway, I didn't. So that's that's, why, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's I think that's amazing because I think that there's been, I think everybody can sit at that moment, especially when you're, when you're, when you're young and you're like, how do I, you know, people, every uh, famous person, every person who's done something great talks about their mentors, but they never talk about how they got them. Yeah. So that's, I really love that. Thank what, you. what Morton Blackwell did for me, Yeah. I went to his school. There were 120 young folks at that school in the mm-hmm. summer of 84. It was a competitive school. Mm-hmm. So I worked hard at the school to, 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 be, to do a good job. You yeah. guys make your schools competitive. Yeah. I've been there. I've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Wow, is it super competitive in a good way. I yeah. mean. But then I made a point to have short interactions with Mr. Blackwell. Mr. Blackwell, thank you for a simple thing. And yep. heartfelt, not yep. like some, you know, sh- You're not stick. trying to scam or schmooze no. him. Yeah. Heartfelt thank yous. Yeah. And then short, quick questions that 
genuinely could be helpful. That got on the That's radar great. screen for him. Yeah. And then from there, it was, you know, after my first campaign, he put me into a campaign, by the way, after that school. Okay. My guy was a guy running for Congress in Virginia, lost by uh, 52 to 48, a tough race. Yeah. But because I had gotten his attention a little bit mm-hmm. at the school and, and, and done what I just described, yeah. he returned my call when it was over. I called him to say, thank you for putting me in the campaign. And, you know, what advice would you have next? Yeah. And because I had taken the initiative to get to know him a little bit, yep. he took the call, despite being very busy. Yep. But if I had not gone to his trainings, I would never have met him. Mm-hmm. If if at the trainings I'd sat in the back of the room and just stayed cloistered, Checked I would out. never yeah. have gotten on his radar screen. Yep. Yep. So I had to go, make myself available, go. Yep. And then B, when I'm there, maximize the opportunity. Yeah. Not in a schmoozing right, way, where, right. but just in a serious, studious yeah. way. Yeah, no, that that's totally true. And I can attest both from events I've been part of and just with our students at camp. I care about each one of them. But like, if they don't make the effort to come out of the crowd and say hello, I'm going to be like, I that's hope it. I gave you something. I hope I left you with something, but I don't know who you are. It's, that's you know, it. It's like, yeah. That's it. That's awesome. I love that. So... You said that on your first campaign you lost. Yeah. But then we just read in your bio that you were you were on the good luck campaign yeah. and that was a victory. Yes. What was how did you go from from can, what number of campaign was that and how okay. what did that journey yeah. look like? Uh okay, this is not the not so much fun part of my career. Okay. Okay. 84, worked on a congressional race. We lost a heartbreaker 5248. Yeah. 85, I worked on a governor's race in Virginia. Okay. My guy won the nomination, but in the general 1985, yep. my guy lost by 10 points. So we went from losing mm-hmm. by ten, two to losing by 10. Yep. 1986, the very next year, I worked on a congressional race. Yep. That guy lost like two to one. So, yes, uh, so the margin kept getting just bigger kept getting every worse. time. Yeah, uh. Yes. So then 80, I had to, I dropped out of politics and went back to school. Okay. Got my degree because okay. I needed to finish that degree. Yeah. So it took a couple of years off. Yeah. Then I went back in and worked on a 1989 governor's race. Okay. The next governor's race yeah. in Virginia. That guy lost. No. Yes. So then, you had your go away. After you all had your, these years, you I've your... lost four in a row. <laughs> By the way, I'm married now for five oh, years. Man, I married yeah. that young lady in 84 yeah. as well. We eloped. We yep. got married. So I'm married. It's the end of 89. I've lost 84, 85, 86, oh, 89. Man. Four straight campaigns. Yeah. So I look around. I go, okay, I'm married. Then she got pregnant with our first uh-huh. child. Okay, I've got to have a win. Yeah. I've got to have a win. Yeah. So I looked. I go, who never loses? Ah. An incumbent member of Congress. Mm-hmm. They win like 98%. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find an incumbent to work for. Okay. Because I've only worked for challengers. Sure. Yeah. And then I'll get that win now right. that I'm, you know, I got a child coming. I got to yeah. get some stability and a victory. Sh- sure. So I went to work for this wonderful Virginia congressman, a wonderful man named Stan Paris, Korean War hero, a great man. We lost. No. Yes! No. Five races in a row. And now oh my, my fifth gosh. one is with an incumbent house no. member, and those guys never lose. Oh my gosh. I know. So I, I, I was the black widow of politics. <laughs> if I join your campaign and buy yeah. your candidate, he or she dies right uh. away. So I'm married. I've got a kid by yeah. now. You know, the career's not going well. Yeah. And in 91, I decided to go off on my own, drop down a level, and do state house and okay. state senate. So okay. go down a level yep. and be a consultant. Okay. So I did six races that year. Mm-hmm. The first guy I pitched was this gung-ho uh, West Point guy running for mm-hmm. the state house. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful guy. I gave him my best pitch. Oh, I can do this. I can yeah. do that. Yeah, the whole pitch. Yep. And he goes, Tim, um, I checked into your bio and you seem like a really nice young guy. Uh-huh. You've never won anything. Oh. <laughs> Why would I hire you uh. to, to, to consult my yeah. race? Yeah. And I remember looking at him and going, 
His name was Jay. I said, Jay, I am due a win sooner or later. It might be you. Hmm, so I like that. He thanked me, but said, no, I'm going with someone okay. else. He okay. called me back two weeks later and he goes, hey, um, look, I'm going to be, I'm an army guy. I'm going to be level with you. Yeah. I tried to hire three other consultants. Okay. They are all working for my opponents in the Republican primary. All right. All three of them. Yep. So I couldn't hire any of the ones I really wanted. Yep. I'm stuck with you. He wow. hired me. And, okay. he, and we won. We won the primary. That's amazing. I won. We won all six of the state house and senate races in '91. Oh my god! All six of them, and then that was just got God decided to bless. And That's then in '92, that was when I did Bob Goodlatte's race okay. for yep. Congress. Yep. And that was the only Republican take back of a Democrat seat in 1992. That oh, was wow. a tough election. That was yep. when uh, Bill Clinton won yep. the presidency yep. over George Herbert yep. Walker Bush. It was a tough year for Republicans, yeah. and so that was the only district in the country that a Republican took back wow. a seat held by Democrats in an that's, open seat. That's and an amazing. M- Mr. Goodlatte was kind enough to take me to Washington as a chief of staff. And then yeah. it, and I met Ralph Reed and, and became worked, did some, did some work with him. And then we started a business together. So, so that's incredible. And like looking back now, it's like you, you talk through the, the five losses yeah, before the, win, you know, that's, it's, it sounds brutal. It sounds painful, but it also sounds like, ah, you're, you know, putting in your dues and now it's a great turnaround comeback story type thing. What did you feel like in the like? What did you feel like on win on on loss five? Yeah, when you're like you didn't know that you had the wins coming the next year. Like like it's it's looking back, Daniel. I genuinely felt like I was in the business that God had called me to be in. Okay. I, and I mean that. Yeah. I, I mean God calls people to the ministry. Yep. I also though believe He calls you to careers. I, I believe that absolutely. Um, you're not you're not a his pastor or his but but you're still in a right. career that he and I I genuinely think I was supposed to be in politics I yeah. mean that yeah. I believe that so I felt a certain piece that I am where I'm supposed to be that's that's I huge. don't know why I'm losing every year yeah I think I'm doing good work but looking back I'm sure I was making mistakes mm-hmm. but you know oh I knew I was doing what I was supposed to be doing I stayed at it persevered. Mm-hmm. And I know when success finally came, I appreciated it more mm-hmm. than those who have. Sometimes I think early success mm-hmm. can give people the wrong. I, by the way, it's wonderful to get early success. So, I mean, yeah. you know, no, I, one's I, complaining. I, yeah, no one's complaining. No one's complaining. Right. But, but I do think losing all those elections yeah. in a row gave me a sense of, you know, I think, humility with God, yep. like saying, yep. be patient, work hard in yep. my timing, meaning his timing. Yep. It'll it'll come. It'll yep. go the right way. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, it began turning. And a lot of the lessons I'd learned in the wilderness years about perseverance, discipline, honing skill sets, not being satisfied with the standard way of doing things. Because for me, the standard way of doing things was not winning. I was Mm -hmm. not winning. So Mm -hmm. I had to keep thinking of ways. And um, I I do think that helped later on. Yeah, that's inspiring. And I think that nobody, none of us get excited about that part of the story. And also... Sometimes I appreciate you being willing to like, even with, with, I've heard you talk about this in, in, in talks to groups, but even with the people on the podcast to be willing to share that part as yeah. well as the wins, because I think that that that's going to inspire a lot of people. It, it definitely yeah, inspires me. I'm reading a book we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Bearing the Cross, yeah. which is a, a yeah, history yeah. of the civil rights movement yep. through the prism of Martin Luther King Jr. by David Groh, the guy who yep. won the Pulitzer for it back in the eighties, 1980s. It's a great book to mm-hmm. read and I'm rereading it right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded that King was 26, had been in the pulpit at Dexter Avenue Baptist in Montgomery, Alabama for less than a year when okay. Rosa Parks stepped wow. up and refused to go to the back of the bus. Yep. With, without seeking it, and within a month, 
King was the de facto leader of the Montgomery bus boycott. Wow. Without seeking it, 26-year-old pastor in his first pastorship. Mm -hmm. By the way, he wasn't even the pastor of the biggest uh, African-American mm -hmm. church in town. That yeah. would have been Ralph Abernathy, who was over at first. Okay. Um, but yet, there he was. Yeah. They won that, and he got a big victory. And people think, oh, well, his career was made. He took off. Right. Actually, no. When you look at the next, from that was in December of 55. The victory was a year yep. later in 56. The next seven or eight years, yep. even though King rose in stature, the movement suffered brutal defeats. Interesting. Brutal defeats. Yeah. King had to persevere. Yeah. You know, the, the Albany, uh, uh, I won't go into all, but, but mm -hmm. they lost some brutal battles. Yeah. And he had to persevere before, you know, the Birmingham yep. victory was won yep. and before the March on Washington in 63. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they began the Civil Rights Bill yeah. they, that LBJ ended up getting through. He was in the wilderness a long time. So you may be, a, you know, young people out there starting, you may be in the wilderness yep. for a while. Persevere, yep. keep driving, and normally it'll turn. I love that. I love that. Um, after the win, uh, when when Congressman Goodlatte went to went to D.C., he took you and you served as his chief of staff, right? Yeah, four years. What what is it like? Be, I mean, you hadn't been, if I'm correct, you hadn't been like I never a staffer worked, before. Like yeah, I that. never worked on. Yeah, I've so done campaigns. Yeah, right. It was new so for you're me. doing the campaign life, then you go to Capitol Hill life. You're the chief of staff. Yeah. What did uh, what does that involve generally for somebody who might not know? And what did that look like for you jumping into it? Right. Well, Not I had gone it. from campaign to campaign. Yeah. So I had never had a fancy office with like uh -huh. permanence because every yeah. campaign ends in November, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. so I would literally work on folding chairs and not put up any pictures. And yep. so I remember being a year into the job. Yep. And in my office on Capitol Hill, it's not big, but it's a decent little office. Yeah. And, I, you know, my boss walked in, good lad. He's a great man. And he goes, uh, Tim, you, you know, you, you've been here a while now. And I go, yeah, I know. I love it, Mr. Congressman. Thank you. Yeah. He goes, no, he goes, but you... You haven't put up a single picture. Uh -huh. You haven't decorated. I mean, uh, it looks like yeah. you just, are you planning on staying? Right, or right. You've been here. And I, the thought occurred to me, Daniel, I had never been in a permanent office. Yeah. I had never decorated an office because I'd always been right. in a little, you know, a, a campaign office, yeah. which is, again, folding chairs and pop-up tables yep. and it's Candidate over in sign. November. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And then I realized, wait, I, God willing, I'm going to be here a while, yep. you know, yep. and I actually started putting up some pictures. I love it. There you go. <laughs> so it was a big adjustment. Yeah. The biggest change was in a campaign, the long view, you know, the over the horizon yep. view is four months, six mm -hmm. months, eight months, mm -hmm. and then it's over. Yep. This was two years, three years. So it was, it was learning how to be yep. more strategic, to plan over the horizon, ahead was probably the biggest point and it began then began thinking about where does where does the career go from here what mm -hmm. how do i what do i do yep. i think that was the biggest challenge was going from those campaign days of startups and and just sheer craziness yep. to a more established settled longer term institutional mm -hmm. approach yeah, yeah that was the biggest difference that's 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 a big change when What's a day in the life of a chief of staff on Capitol Hill? You know, it's been a while now. Or but is it different for yeah, every office? I think it's different. Office? It depends on your member, your okay. member of Congress. Yeah. I yeah. mean, my member was a crazy, I mean, a very serious, crazy uh -huh. serious, uh -huh. studious legislator. Okay. He didn't really care much about media. His job- That's refreshing. His, I know. His passion was do good legislation that protects individual yeah. freedom, that advances conservative values. 
And so he was a dig in and get legislation. Okay. That was him. There were other members. And so for me, it was about, okay, looking at this committee, Judiciary Committee, Agriculture Committee, what can we get done over the next six or eight months? Or what do we need to stop that's bad on the policy front? Other members, though, their idea is, hey, I want to get media coverage for my values Mm -hmm. and my beliefs. And there's Mm -hmm. value to that, too, by the way. So for them, it would be how to to get your boss onto the evening news or how Uh to get your boss coverage. So it varies. But I think the most important thing was creating a culture that was uplifting, that was bonding, that people wanted to join and be mm-hmm. a part of for the long term. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing that is in, when you're younger and you're, you've reached that stage of your career where you're kind of getting to run something, you mm-hmm. know, yep. even if it's something small like a congressional yep. office with, you know, 14 or 15 staff. Think, focus on culture. Okay. What do you want it to be like to work in yeah. your office. Yeah. You know, do you want, hopefully it'll be, I want it to be a place where, you know, muckraking and backbiting is, is not rewarded, mm-hmm. is frowned upon. In fact, yep. punished yep. a place where people treat folks well, a, a place where you want to come and be a part of it. You yeah. know, it, it's the culture was yeah. what I, I remember looking back with, and with Congressman Goodlatte, who was, that was really important to him. I think I probably learned more that learned that from him a lot. That's, that's fantastic. And that, that's really cool to ha- to be able to work for somebody that, is also caring about. He's that still too. a mentor and friend to this day. He's retired now, but yeah. great man. That's incredible. All right. So after um, you were working on Capitol Hill, uh, jump us. You know, fast forward. Where, where did it go? Where did it go from there? Okay. Where, so where, I'm working on Capitol yep. Hill, and in 1989 or 90, uh, my mentor Morton Blackwell mm-hmm. calls me up and goes, "Tim, there is this uh, Council for National Policy." Uh, they're a wonderful group of really important uh, movement, conservative movement leaders and donors. I want you to come give a speech to them about grassroots organizing right up your alley. So I go, absolutely. So I, Daniel, I worked on that speech for weeks. I had okay. it honed. I had a really, I was so excited. Great. I was envisioning yeah. me walking up in front of a crowd of uh-huh. 500 conservative movement leaders yep. And, yep. and donors and them going, oh my goodness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's incredible, Mr. <laughs> Phillips. Join us. Be the li- I, that, that was my vision, right? I love it. That's so good. So I, I, I get to the conference, two-day conference, and I look on the agenda, and I'm not on the agenda. And I go, well, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So I go to Mr. Black and go, I don't see my name on here. Yeah. Mr. Black, he goes, well, you're on a breakout session. I go, oh, you mean yep. I'm not speaking to the general? No, no, no. Yep. You're, you're too you're new. You're young. Yep. You're in a breakout. Yep. But it'll be great. It'll yep. be great. So I go to the breakout on day two. I'm so, I've worked on this uh-huh. 30-minute lecture forever. Yeah. Seven people show up. <laughs> Seven people. I I've, was crushed. I I've, was so bummed out. But I want you to know, I poured my heart into the next 30 minutes. And I really worked hard go. on that presentation. And a young guy walks up to me after. He looks like he's 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hey, that was that was good. That was a good grassroots talk. Um, I, I, I think I want you to give that speech with me around the country. And I go, oh, wow, well, where? And he goes, well... Um, I have launched a group in, in conjunction with another person uh, called the Christian Coalition. Okay, and um, we're gonna we're gonna help organize people of faith yeah. to get involved. And I go, well, who who are you? And he goes, I'm Ralph Reed. Oh wow! And it was a very young Ralph Reed. And I yep. go, that's that's interesting. How long have you been doing this? He said, two weeks. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, so ground floor right there. Yeah. So I I began traveling with with Ralph Reed, who's yeah. a great man, still a friend to this day. And we were in dusty church basements mm-hmm. and social halls yep. as, as he and Pat Robertson launched oh, the wow. Christian Coalition. Yeah, yeah. And I got to be a small part of that, very, okay. just just helping out. Yep. And and as it grew, they were kind enough to help let me you know be a part of it. Again, just yeah. as a helper. Yeah, yeah. And I saw 
how they built what what at the time was without doubt the largest uh-huh. faith based operation yep. in the whole country yep. over the next what seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Ralph became a national leader along with obviously Pat Robertson. Yep. Um, I got to play a small role just helping, mm-hmm. and it was wonderful to see that and be a, a, to be a small part of it. And then so when I left Capitol Hill, Ralph was leaving the Christian Coalition. Okay. And he said, I'm starting a business back you know, in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. where I grew yeah. up. This where this, And he goes, won't you do it with me? So we, we launched a group uh, that he headed up called uh, Century Strategies, okay. which is a campaign and public affairs organization mm-hmm. that's still there. He's still doing great. Okay. And we, were, we worked together from like 90, I think it was like 97, 98. Uh, straight through till I ended up leaving to go help, uh, you know, with Start Americans for Prosperity. So awesome. Ralph was and is a mentor and a friend. Many of you know Ralph Reed, yeah. if your listeners, and he's still so active and crucial. Um, and uh, I learned from, I think from him, you know, how, what are the key principles of building mm-hmm. a large national grassroots organization mm-hmm. to affect policy change and also to win elections. Yeah. And I saw the challenges he faced. I, I saw the principles he uh, applied. And I, a lot of them we ended up using with Americans for Prosperity without doubt. So I don't suppose that boils down to like top five principles or something or, or else everybody <laughs> would do it, right? Well, yeah, that's right. I, I tell you the best, for me, the best document I've seen about mm-hmm. political maxims or yep. leadership yep. principles, going back to Morton Blackwell, his laws of the public policy process. We have it framed here yeah. in the office. If you if list if you're listening and you haven't, just I ask you or the team yeah. or Google yeah. Leadership Institute laws of the public policy process. It's like what two and a half dozen roughly mm-hmm. yep. laws that are incredibly practical. Yep. So helpful. I'll give you just a couple of them. One is you know don't treat friends the way you treat enemies. Mm-hmm. Some people are harsh on friends, and mm-hmm. and, and you should treat friends. Now you know you want to treat your opponents with respect sure. as well. Yeah. But your friends, especially, yeah. treat them a little, yeah. give them a little more yeah. love and give yeah. them a little more leash when they make mistakes. Yep. And, and, yep. and A, it's part of faith, but also yep. B, but, but there are so many practical uh, points from that. And those laws of the public policy process genuinely have been a crucial thing for me. A second thing, early in my career, uh, I read a book called Hardball by Christopher Matthews. Okay, yep. Now, he ended up, ended up being kind of a, a very leftist uh-huh. you know, right. <laughs> reporter. Right. Uh, but his book called Hardball, I'm telling you, it has about a dozen principles that are incredibly wise and, and they're ideologically um, neutral. Uh-huh. They work for yeah. a free market conservative yeah. or they work for a Christian conservative or they work for a Marxist. You know, most okay. political technology, Daniel, is ideologically neutral. Yep, that that's something we talk about with Gen J is that we, you know, we want to equip people with this, with the practical skills, but we don't just need more political hacks out in the world. Yeah. We need, we need people who are actually do it for know how it works and doing it in you the right you. way. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, okay. So you're president of Americans prosperity. What year did you, did you step in that role? Was that, that transition uh, there? Yes. I, I was like a consultant to yep. them in 2004 and five okay. as the organization yep. was launched, uh, by the Koch brothers. Yep. And in, uh, as they started seeming to work, we had a model mm-hmm. that was going to work. Mm-hmm. They asked me to be president of it in January of 2006. Okay. So I left Century Strategies mm-hmm. and moved back to Washington uh, to, to be the president yep. of the organization in, in January of 06. Okay. So that's... That's where you know with with Gen J we've we've you've been a really popular speaker at all of our I love those camps. We, we I love miss it. it this summer. I know. So do we. So does everybody. Everybody listening is probably you know, 
I was going to say throwing the, the remote at the screen, but there's no screen. So, you know, the, I know. everyone's bummed, but yeah. Um, but that's why we want to get you on the podcast too, Absolutely. So to give, Those to, are great. to, uh, to keep people connected. Um, with Americans for Prosperity, you're the president of that. that that's, you know, had, had you been the president of an organization before that? No. So, no. so that's a new adventure. Um, you've, I've seen you recently in recent weeks and months doing tons of media. I've seen it for years. I love watching the interviews that you get to do, including some, some pretty fantastic ones. I saw one with uh, Christiana Amanpour recently, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's which good was, at CNN. which yeah, was, she's that was, that was a long interview and, and you did uh, fantastic with some, yeah, with some tough questions to navigate. <laughs> um, but when you're going from that, you know, consulting, starting a consulting firm, doing that life, tends to be a little more behind the scenes in politics. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you know, very moving true. the pieces and you go that very public facing. Was, was that something that you'd always wanted to do? Was that something that was like, felt like home to you? Or did that feel like this is a new thing that it was like, no, it was, sure it was a it. very new thing. Yeah. Uh, very much so. I had been around candidates as a political consultant yep. for many years. I'd been yep. clients, yep. but they were the ones out front. Right. I was prepping them for debates and speeches yeah. and points to make. And then I'd worked with Ralph Reed, and I'd watched mm-hmm. Ralph do that for many years at Christian Coalition, and then yep. at Century Strategies, yep. he would do that more for our organization or for the business. So, but it was new to me. Mm-hmm. But I'd had a lot of experience watching and others over the years, and yeah. and but I, I did find it. It's a higher level of uh, you know, it's just a different skill set. Mm-hmm. You got to yeah. try to learn yeah. of, of trying to hopefully become a public speaker who can communicate effectively trying to help set the right, again, the right culture yep. within the organization yep. as you're growing, pulling, putting together strategic um, goals that you can point toward. And the biggest thing, you know, the, in campaigns, Daniel, mm-hmm. I loved how every year the deck got reshuffled. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. You know, a whole new office, yeah. a whole new campaign, yeah. a whole new candidate, whole new set of issues. Yeah. Everything was, yeah, I loved, yeah. it's like you reshuffle the deck. Right. In a lot of careers, you would go eight or nine years yep. and nothing changes. Yep. I love that about politics. Mm-hmm. But, the biggest downside to political campaigns, mm-hmm. it was hard to build a permanent organization yeah. that could make a difference over a long yeah. period of time. Yep. It's very cyclical and one-off. Yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that when I came to Americans for Prosperity, yep. and now looking back all these years, 14, 15 years, yep. I can be a part of building something that is is permanent or long-term. I love that. And, and I like that about this organization. They're both incredible. And there's yep. something I honestly, I'm glad my career had both. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not suggesting anyone listening. One of the others better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but they're different. We but I both. do like to have a long-term, I, I look back and we fought in 2009 as an organization, mm-hmm. Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was a bad idea. Yep. We fought hard in 09 and 2010. We finally lost. Yep. We kept fighting and that was bitter, yep. but here we are fighting the good fight a decade mm-hmm. later, despite that loss. Mm-hmm. I also saw us fight important battles that we won. Yeah. Cap and trade, which yep. would have literally yep. had government with Al Gore controlling American energy. Mm-hmm. We would never have had the energy revolution no. that we've had today. Yeah. We're yeah, the number yeah. one energy producer. Yeah. More than Saudi Arabia, more than Russia, yep. more than, you know. Yep. If we'd lost that cap and trade battle, which our organization helped fight for about two years, yep. all in fight, I mean, a big fight. I actually, by the way, fun fact, we got a giant hot air balloon and we did events all around what? the country. And the, 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 Why was uh, I not on there? the side of the hot air balloon was cap and trade means lost jobs, less freedom, higher taxes. 
I floated, we floated that balloon with me in it over Al Gore's Nashville estate while, no doing, talk, while doing talk radio. So, no I mean, you way. Know, that's just a little, you know, a little tidbit you may not know I here, Daniel. <sighs> but here we are. We won that battle. And now a decade later, we, we're still here, still fighting the good fight for economic freedom and prosperity and, that's and for improving yeah. people's lives. And I can look back and go, you know, a decade ago, we won a really important battle for the country yep. or helped win. Yep. Helped win. Yep. And so I like the long-term nature of it. I love that. I love that. Um, speaking kind of like long-term for the country, I know I, what I'd like to do in a minute is talk about some of the a- issues that AFP yeah. is focusing on right now. I know I, I know that you guys are multifaceted with that. But can we talk real quick about something I saw you working on recently yeah. over at Mount Rushmore? Oh, yeah. You were part of, was it a, a discussion regarding yeah, we the did Declaration event, of Independence, yeah, right? Yeah, we did an event at Mount Rushmore on yeah. July 2nd. Okay. Uh, the day before President Trump was there. He was yep. there the next day. Yep. And we did it because we we wanted to make a point, given all the mm-hmm. current hullabaloo, yep. that the principles espoused by the founding fathers yeah. and those early documents, yep. the Declaration of Independence, Common Sense by yep. Thomas Paine, and, and the Constitution, mm-hmm. that those documents and the principles in them have been one of the animating forces behind the greatest and the most sustained explosion of freedom. Yeah. Prosperity, yep. hope, yep. opportunity, and equality yep. in all of human history. Amen. I I, I want to clap right now, but the yeah. mics won't appreciate no, it. It's important. It's so true. Now, the Declaration of Independence, and our founding uh, yeah. leaders referenced this, it was an aspirational mm-hmm. document. In yep. other words, they were calling for, toward a more perfect union yep. in their words. We're yep. going to move toward, quote, a more perfect. Yep. What they meant was... The Declaration of Independence, this is the goal. This yep. is the North Star yep. we're pointing toward. Yep. We're not there. No. But here are the principles that all are created equal. Yeah. That they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable yeah. rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yep. That government derives its power, here's a shocker, mm-hmm. from the consent of the governed. Yeah. What a shocking yeah. revolutionary idea, which it was. It totally was. Yeah. 100%. Now, have we missed that mark or failed to live up to it? Absolutely. Yeah. It was an aspirational, but, yeah. and here's the key the key point though, in the process of working toward that, that aspirational yep. document, by following those principles, our nation has given more people, more freedom, more yeah. prosperity, more hope and more equality for more years, more time yeah. than any civilization in human history. It's so, it's so true. I've been having so many conversations with people in recent weeks about... I am. I will be the first to admit America's faults, and I think I'd be the first. I'd be the first. It's a human endeavor. It's Any a human, human endeavor. endeavor. I'd be the first to point out a ha- handfuls of issues that I want to see change in America. It's a large part of why we do what we do at Generation Joshua. You do what you do at AFP. But I'm like, for the people who are who are trying to kind of tear down the underpinnings and, and the the truly remarkable and great things about America, I'm like, what? Is the alternative? Who's done it better? Where can you go? That's that's right. going to be more free, more have more opportunity, more equality. You know, do, are we are we perfect when it comes to justice and equality in our yeah. country? No, we're not. Where who does it better? Right. And that and nobody can answer that. You know. In, in fact, I mentioned Martin Luther King Jr. a few yeah. moments ago. Dr. King, in leading the modern civil rights movement, yep. which did so much good for our country, thank yep. God for that. I'm thankful yeah. to God for it. Yeah. He actually talked about the founding documents yeah. and said, hey, America, this is a worthy document. Let's yeah. live up to it. Yeah. He called it a promissory note. Yep. Let's make it come due. Yep. And we have been moving as a country toward that. Right. We, we've been heading and, in the right direction. Yeah. And by that. the way, in the process of moving toward that, 
again, it's so important for young people listening. Don't ever, ever be embarrassed or ashamed of being proud of this country. Mm, and, and don't ever yeah. let some you know, Marxist or anarchist who wants to destroy this country tell you and make you sit down and say, how dare you, you praise Thomas Jefferson yeah, or how yeah. dare you praise the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Those guys were, the, yes, they were flawed human beings. By the way, just like the person telling you that is a flawed human being, right, we're all flawed. Right, we're right. fallen. We're yep. fallen people. Absolutely. We, we need a savior, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, but, but in the process of writing those documents, they did something revolutionary. Mm-hmm. They put their lives on the line. Uh, many of them didn't make it, yep. uh, but the country made it. Yep. And as a result, people from all over the globe have risked their lives yeah. and everything to come here. Yeah. Why did they do that? Why, if you were a boat person during the during the, the fleeing of Southeast Asia in the mm-hmm. late 70s, why yep. did you come here? Why did you go out into the stormy uh, Pacific and try to find American ships? By yep. the way, you know what they called the American sailors in what those years? Freedom men. Oh, wow. freedom. We're looking for freedom, men. We're wow. going out into these rickety yeah. boats. And and if you were in Ireland during the, the famine, the Irish mm-hmm. potato famine, yep. where did you want to come? Here. Yep. That was a totally different. Yep. So in every era from the 1780s on, yep. the, the, the oppressed, the lost, yep. the hopeless, the hurting, they've come here. Yeah. And they've come here because those founding documents gave the greatest level of freedom, yeah. prosperity, hope equality and opportunity yeah. in the world. Let's be proud of that. Yeah. Let's acknowledge our faults and yep. acknowledge that we've fallen short of those ideals because yeah. we're human, yeah. including our founding fathers. But by no means does that disqualify either those individuals or the principles that they espoused. I That is incredible. Can you write a book on this, Tim? No, I don't can, know. Can you yeah. a book? I, I can tell you. It, it, it's Go to Facebook. We, we talked about that yeah, on our yeah, yeah. America's Prosperity Facebook page. We All talked right. a lot about that just last week on July 2nd. Amazing. Uh, so important. That's what, I think that that's a message that a lot of people need to hear right now. Yeah. It's in, I'm really glad the podcast people are going to hear that. Um, okay, so for AFP, um, what are you guys working on? I, I know in the past... It's, there's been a lot regarding economic freedom, yeah. Americans' prosperity. I know, though, that you guys kind of have a network of issues. Yeah. So what, what's what's big right now? Our central mission and the animating force when we found when AFP was founded yep. uh, was to remove the barriers that hold people back from living the American dream. Which ties in perfectly what we were just talking yeah. about. Early on, for us, we focused tightly on economic freedom issues because mm-hmm. that's a crucial part. Trying to lower taxes, trying to get rid of government red tape and regulation that yep. holds Cap back and freedom and yep. opportunity. Yeah, trying to make sure that government wasn't encroaching so much in the economic and personal yep. sphere. Yep. Over time, we looked at it and said there are a broader array of barriers than than only the economic mm-hmm. issues. As yep. important as those are, and yep. we still fight those. Yep. By the way, a government overspending, for example. Yep. But we began looking at issues that were still barriers. So, for example, criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We looked at over incarceration rates in our prison systems mm-hmm. across the country, and and that was controversial in right. a lot of conservative circles. I remember that, but I remember having a conversation with some some of my friends and, and coworkers who were like, "That's we got it." Well, it's we're a, so for me, happy you guys are looking at that. For me, as a faith-based person, yeah, you know, we're, the, the the gospel is about second chances and redemption. I needed a yeah. second chance. Yeah. I needed the fourth, fifth, sixth, and twentieth chance. Amen. But but I, I needed redemption. Yep. 
there are millions of Americans in need of redemption, or everyone is in need yep. of redemption, but yep. also in need of, of a redemption opportunity, especially if they've paid their dues to society. Mm-hmm. So we began looking at criminal justice reform, especially for nonviolent offenders yep. uh, and, and those who've been hit with long prison yep. sentences for nonviolence. Yep. So we've worked on that. We started in an interesting place. Texas, one of the most conservative red states in the country, about a decade ago. This was during the Obama years. We spent years in Texas, and Governor Rick Perry, a former Mm -hmm. governor there, he helped lead the effort to pass one of the first big criminal justice reforms at the state level. Fast forward to today, years later. Texas has closed three prisons, state prisons. They've saved just a hair over $3 billion of taxpayer money in that period of time. And as of the last statistics coming out in 2019, last yeah. year, crime rates in Texas, down. Wow. Double digits. Wow. So you save taxpayer money, about yeah. $3 billion. You give thousands and thousands and thousands of Texans second chance to, yep. to become taxpayers, to yep. become family people, to become yep. you know, productive Americans, yep. not, not folks in crime, living mm-hmm. illicit lifestyles, yep. perhaps, uh, you know, like you know, stealing or rob, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and... You save taxpayer money by closing prisons and 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 letting that money be yeah. sent back to taxpayer. It's it's a win 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 all the way around. We we're all we supported the first step act at the federal level, mm-hmm. which uh, President Trump supported. Yep, yep. Uh, Jared Kushner supported. Uh, Kanye West supported. Yeah. We have all kind of cool people here, uh, <laughs> and it was a Republican and Democrat coalition. Yeah. So criminal justice reform is an important one. Uh, we also do uh, issues like for, we do some foreign policy now. Okay. So one of the areas we're concerned about is these endless wars. Mm-hmm. And so this, again, within the conservative movement, it, it can be controversial. Sure, sure. But we think that President Trump was on to something mm-hmm. when he said, hey, look, we've been in Afghanistan since 2001. Mm-hmm. We've been in Iraq since just a few years later. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, I mean, that's a generation. Right. Come on, it's the longest right. war in American history with continuous and military involvement. Isn't it time to maybe figure out a way to, right. to exit? And yeah. we think that's actually a good idea. Also, making our NATO allies pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. You probably saw that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they had promised to put 2% of their GDP, uh, of their budgets toward yeah. defense. They weren't living up to it. Mm-hmm. So we've said, and, and again, several Republicans and Democrats and, and President Trump have, have, have helped lead this and yeah. say, Hey, look, NATO allies, you got to put 2% yeah. in there. We're going to cut funding because you got to pay your own way a little right. bit here. Come right. on. Right. So we've done that issue. Uh, immigration, finding ways to make sure, because we're a nation of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Now, we're a nation of laws. Yeah. So that means we got to follow the law. Yeah. If you don't have the rule of law, you don't have a country. Sure. We're seeing that a little bit right now with some vandalism and some yep. violence and, yep. and, and, and such. So, um, But with immigration, we want to we reaffirm that we're a country of immigrants, that mm-hmm. immigrants give a vitality, an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. By the way, uh, we're getting older as a country, uh, as birth rates have yep. decreased. Yep. Uh, it's a smart also thing to renew and bring in new folks. That's mm-hmm. a smart thing. But we've always been a country of immigrants. I mean, it was Ronald Reagan, my hero, yep. who, who went to the Statue of Liberty yep. to launch his campaign for president. Yeah. And the point the president Reagan was making was, you know, we've always been a country that said, hey, if, if, if you need freedom, you're earning to be free. Yep. What Lady Liberty still said, uh, you know, said then, yep. we're still the place and we are still the place. And and okay. so we, 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 we support broader. I'm going, I'm going all a little no, bit longer. No, I'm sorry. Please, I could no, go on please, all these issues Please for a while. keep going. This is incredible. Right. This is but, what I want to hear. Because I mean. Uh, so it's a broader array of issues yeah. is, is what I'm saying. The thing in, in anything else you want to add to that is fantastic because um, Gen J 
a lot of Gen J students have met you. They've heard you speak at something like that. They haven't always gotten the full kind of yeah. scoop on AFP. Well, and you so guys only let me talk like 30 or 40 I minutes. Know, Come on, I man. I want I two or three hours here. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to build that in next time. We'll have we'll, we'll create, we'll make camp go uh, a whole extra day. No, you're, that's what I'm saying. You, you're, you're, your sessions are always super, uh, super popular and well-received. You have great stories. I, I still remember personally your story about Thanksgiving at Liberty University. Oh, yeah. And, leadership. Uh, What's yeah, leadership? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to spoil that because you got to come Come, come here. to the school. Come, that's yeah, right. Come, come to come here, school. Uh, Tim, talk about it at camp. Um, that's amazing. Uh, let's see. You were referencing kind of, you're talking about we're a nation of laws, we're a nation of immigrants. You're talking about some of the recent uh, unrest and this kind of stuff that's been going mm-hmm. on in the country. Um, it's been a tumultuous year in America. It's been, we've had a global pandemic. We've had, um, we've had issues in, in, in some peaceful protests, some violent riots related to, uh, racial injustice, police brutality, this kind of stuff. We've had protests related to lockdown and we've had people's who lot, whose lives have been significantly impacted by lockdown. What are your thoughts on all of this? That's an easy question, I know. Um, but especially, is it too early to analyze this from a from a foundational principles and freedom perspective? Do we? Is it too early to have a take on that? Yeah, I or is or no, I I think the constitutional questions yeah. about this pandemic and the government's yep. response is a crucial discussion to have. Yep. In fact, we've as an entity and as an organization at Americans Prosperity. We're, we're actively looking at, you know, how do we remedy in the future some of the, some of the abuses of the mm-hmm. Constitution that government, especially at the state level yeah. and yeah. local level, have levied? So we thought that the, the, the protest against the shutdowns yep. were constitutionally protected yep. uh, free speech. Yep. Uh, you can argue whether they were tactically the right, right. way to go, right. Right. but they For absolutely— sure should be protected under the First Amendment. No question. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the protest after the what I would call the murder of George Floyd. Absolutely. I would call it that. uh, Were absolutely constitutionally protected, just like I thought the the protesters against the shutdowns were protected. Um, The violence, the the looting, the vandalism is not. No. That's a law law issue. That's uh, people... You know the the right to protest ends when you begin inflicting violence either yep. on individuals yep. or, or property. Yep. Uh, and so there, there's a there's that's a dividing line. But now we're looking at abuses of people of faith who want to practice their faith, mm-hmm. being told that they can't go to church or synagogue or mosque. Yeah. It impact. By the way, it's yeah. not just right. Christians. It's it's just, it's, yeah. it's folks no. of Jewish faith. It's folks of the Muslim faith. Yep. Uh, it's across the board. Yep. And that's wrong. Yep. You have Mayor De Blasio singling out. Orthodox Jewish uh, mm-hmm. Americans mm-hmm. and and saying we're gonna you know we're gonna put you in jail and we're gonna you know c- crack down on you yeah. if, if you don't yeah, stop yeah. coming to the you know, doing the funerals and doing your 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 temple, so that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So there are there have been some significant um, constitutional issues yeah. during this pandemic where government is overreaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we disagree with President Trump on some issues. Uh, tariffs are one. We mm-hmm. think they've been a really bad idea. Yeah. I'll tell you this though. One of the best decisions uh, that he made during this pandemic mm-hmm. was one of the very first ones when okay. he said, we're not going to have a f- one-size-fits-all federal yeah. shutdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he got criticized, by the way, from right. some folks on the left for not right. doing that, which is ironic. Right. You know, they always call him a dictator. Now they're saying, be a dictator. Right, right, right. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but the point was, A, we have something called federalism mm-hmm. in the Constitution, yep. which says the federal government 
does not simply have the power and the yep. authority on the Constitution to tell all 50 states every little thing. Nope. And, and But also from just a common sense in battling a pandemic, is the pandemic going to be different in New York City than in Nebraska? Uh, yeah, 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 it probably is. So do you want the one-size-fits-all federal government right. putting a blanket policy that will impact you know, Miami Beach? Right. Yep. And 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 somewhere out in, in many, you know Minnesota yeah. or yeah. some other part yeah, of the yeah, country yeah. that's smaller, you know maybe yep. Omaha, Nebraska. I mentioned. Yep. That. No, you want local governments and state governments, yeah. and so kudos to him for doing that. Yeah. He's made some other things. He's done some other. We have other policy differences. That was a big one though that yep. he got right, I think, yep. and got very little credit for it. But yeah, yeah. And I've I was talking. With, I think I was talking with Joel when Joel was on the podcast a few weeks ago about how. A lot of people, they, they know they have a governor because you, know, you were talking about federalism, and I th- I'm totally with you. I think it's super good that, that a lot of that was left up to the states. And I think that people are feeling the impact of their governor this year in yes. a way like never before. Yes. And I, I, you know, I think that's going to be really interesting to follow as we get – as we can kind of see the next round of governor elections in each state and see yes. if people are, are – it's going to be a referendum in a sense on the, on their governor's leadership during this and you know what they value. Um, all right. I don't want to keep you too long, but do you have time for just one or two more questions? Absolutely. All right. Beautiful. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think I want to do, I want to do uh, one. Uh, I want I have, I want to do some fun ones and some deep ones. Um, this has been a really, really good conversation, Tim. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Um, okay. Best new group of the last decade and a half. 21 Pilots. Can we just say that yes, right away? Yes, good heavens. Best new rock, pop, techno, whatever you want to call them. They yeah. don't fit any genre. The best is 21 Pilots. Did you know? Did, My daughter you, turned me on to them. Are you saying this because you know I'm like a huge 21 no, Pilots fan. I did not know that. Here's what happened. One day when my daughter was like 16 or yeah. 17, she's 22 now, I walk into her room one night before bed and she goes, hey, Dad, you listen to this song. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it was okay. So yeah. I kind of like it. So, but I, whatever she had me listen to, I was going to say, yeah. I love it. Yes, right, I right, love right. it. Because I want to bond with my only daughter. I'm a dad. Yeah. I'm trying to be cool. Yeah. So she could have said, hey, dad, I want you to hear this. You know, I'm going to rake my fingernails across yeah. the chalkboard. What do you think? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. But I, so I told her I just loved it. Yeah. Then I actually started listening to it. Yeah. And I liked it. Yeah. It oh, was Ode to Sleep, yeah. which was pre-Vessel. Oh, yeah. It was before Vessel. Because Vessel... It was way back when. You know when. what you're talking about, No, it was Tim. way back when. It was Ode yeah. to Sleep and, and, and To Start Your Day, yeah. the real slow yep. piano yep. song. Yep. Then Vessel comes out, blew my mind. Yeah, same. Oh, holding On to You yeah. and all those. Trees. Incre- and, uh, car yeah. Radio, yeah, yeah, which car is one radio. of the great. Yep. That may be my favorite video of all time. Same. Incredible video. Yeah. He shaves his head. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, and Guns for Hands Guns is an amazing hands, video that, where yeah, they wrap the yes, tape yes. around. Anyway. I show so, that video to, my, to like everyone who comes to my house. I'm, I sit them down. I'm like, yeah. oh, you got to watch this yeah. video. Well, Millicent and I, my daughter, were watching it when it had like 20,000 views on oh YouTube. Literally, it has like 50 million now. Oh, my goodness. But yeah. like we were watching over and over and over Guns for Hands, that incredible video. Yeah. And also Car Radio, which is yeah. still one of the most mind-blowing videos ever. When they had like 20,000 views, oh they have gosh. like 50 million now. Yeah. And then when the – it's kind of like most things. The album that made them famous was right. the next one. Right, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Blurry Face. Yeah. And I liked it. Sure. But not nearly as much sure. as Vessel. Vessel's right. way better. Right, right, right. So, anyway, but, so that's the best group. Um, I don't know. That's uh, that's incredible. Thank yeah. you. I, I had – that was not on my list, but uh, – I'm that, worried about that, their direction. I hope they're going to be okay. I mean, I don't know. I hope they're going to be okay, too. Oh, I saw but, their, we saw their first live show at the Madison Square Garden. You did first. Well, we oh saw it was gosh. the second night of the yeah, yeah. Of the, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was the first night. They, the first time I did Madison Square, my daughter yep. and I went up and saw it in New York. That was That's incredible. Amazing. Did oh, you see their lockdown song? 
Do you see the song they put out during lockdown? No, I missed you have that. To, you have to check it out. It's amazing. It's um, it's called um, oh dang it, uh, it's the 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 hook is "Would You Be My Little Quarantine?" And oh, that's funny. It's, it's really that's amazing. Funny. Um, and that's funny. They shot the video like in their homes during lockdown, so it's incredible. The whole Josh thing was, and Tyler, both of them. It's got the, the yes, separately. Yes, it has I'm both guessing. of them separately, but there's a twist. So you, you got to watch no, the video. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I thought. Now I have to admit the Nico and the Niner yeah, video and yep. song. I didn't understand what they were talking about. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah, way yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. the candles. Yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. I had no idea what they're talking yeah, about. No yeah. idea at all. I'm gonna go with the fact that it's you know I don't know. It was the it was the imaginary world i was super deep into that when the album was coming out yeah. i was like following the little clues they hit around the yeah. internet and yeah stuff. They're, they're brilliant marketers. they're brilliant, like, brilliant. They, and the yeah. fact that two two guys can do yeah. all that yeah you know no, i know i know so they're my they're my favorite band in the last 10, 15 i didn't years. even realize that and that, that is so cool I'm, i mean i would have had you on just to talk about that in addition they're brilliant. to brilliant and the way they're they're fans they even yeah. had to write the song because yeah. their their old fans were like irritated by all the new fans yep. when they got yep. super yep. famous and yep. they write that you know so these guys are and they're i think they're christians I think they, they are, are yeah they yeah, come see, from a christian background yeah, and they, they have are. uh their i think tyler's dad is still like either the principal or the basketball coach of a private school out in ohio That's way cool. private christian That's school yeah the cool yeah, thing. yeah super sat, neat. by the way i'm just a little i mean not uh-huh. that we're big deals or anything yeah, yeah. but we bought tickets randomly at madison square garden uh-huh. i paid way too much money we're sitting in a decent area, not on the floor, because yep. we couldn't get there early enough yep. for that. We literally looked down, because my daughter's a super big fan, uh-huh. and the row in front of us, it's both sets of parents. No way. And Tyler's wife. No way. Y- yes! That's we got incredible. to meet him. We got to meet him. You got to meet and, like, and then my daughter uh, didn't Jenna want... And my, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and so... Uh, anyway, I won't tell us something. We had a really cool thing, but it was, it was the... We felt so we were just in like a regular yeah. Yeah, part yeah. of the stands, yeah, and there they were. That's amazing. So I could go on forever about them, but we we should we should set it up sometime. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll do that as like a like a in between episode. First first I lyrics it. I learned. Yeah. We're driving one night to my mom and dad's yep. house. Late night drive. Yep. It's uh, Millie and a couple of the other kids in the car. They're all adults, uh, but and we're listening to Holding On to You. Yep. And they're like, Dad, you've got to learn at least a couple of uh-huh. lyrics. So the first lyrics it took me like an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Lean with it, rock with it. When are you going to stop? stop with the lyrics that mean nothing, nothing you were really right thought. Thought. <laughs> it's time to move our feet to an introspective beat and if the speaker's up on hearts it's hard to move the beat yes. and it keeps going faster and faster yes. and faster and faster that's, that's amazing what, that, that was my first lyrics I learned oh so, that's incredible okay, I'll stop on 21 okay. Pilots I'm sorry. So, sorry no but this is actually really fascinating because I, you're the first guest who's quoted 21 Pilots lyrics yeah. on the Gen J podcast I can quote way too many I would, I'm afraid, same so. and maybe we should start doing it every episode um, but I also want to ask you this is kind of a, 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 a question that I had on my list one of the other things you do is like I fo- I follow you on, on online and social media a bit, and I see you posting like you'll go around the country doing all this important stuff, yeah. and you'll post like you, you know your your favorite dessert because you love dessert. Huge dessert guy. You, you love dessert, and I, I if I'm correct, you love a Dairy, Dairy Queen, Queen Blizzard. Blizzard. That's my favorite. Reese's peanut butter cup with two shots of liquid peanut butter. Okay, Medium. see that's amazing. Why is our Twenty One Pilot lyrics or? Dairy Queen Blizzards, you know, whatever. Why is that something that 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 Tim Phillips, president of Americans Prosperity, is not too serious or too important to 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 enjoy and talk about? I I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I, really don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I I my theory or my suspicion is that people don't necessarily care about what you're fighting for mm-hmm. or against. Yep. Unless they feel like they know you a little bit and why yeah. you're doing what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, that's my theory. Because I don't think I've never thought with any of that that you're doing that to like you know come across no, like an average right. Joe or something. It's who you are. In fact, you, we're going it, to get Blizzard when this is over. I'm exhausted. Come okay, on, see, amazing. No, I'm teasing. But like, I don't think people do that. 
as maybe often as they should, yeah. especially people in leadership. So I don't know that, that just on the record, or, that's, that's refreshing and I appreciate it. No, absolutely. But I, I do think that as, as you're fighting and folks out there, young, the young Gen, Gen J folks, yeah. as you're fighting for your principles and your beliefs, I think people need to know you a little bit. Yep. And if they know you a little bit and, and like what they see a little yep. bit, doesn't mean they're going to like all of right. it. And doesn't mean you fake it, obviously. No, no. Um, and I've been guilty of that. I, you sure. want to build an image and you sure, try to fake sure. something and that's yep. not good. That's no. that's bad. Um, and I've done that and you yeah. have to fight that. Yeah. Um, but I think they, they're more passionate about joining your cause if they yep. feel like they know you a little bit. And if you can prove to them authentically that you're not just this like political obsessed machine, like, yeah. like machine. Yeah. You're like, I'm a human being. I in listen fact, to music. In fact, I, you know. the next Gen J school, yeah. you're inviting me. Yeah, and we're of gonna course. we're gonna bring in Dairy Queen blizzards for everyone. Oh my god! And gosh. we're gonna eat them together after my talk. How about that? Let's Does that do sound it. good? Let's do and it. I'll spring for half of it. So I don't want to break All your right. budget. That's, yeah, I'll spring for half of it. Let's Is that do a it. deal? Uh, yeah. All right. I'm we're gonna shaking, say it's a by deal. By the way, we're shaking yeah, hands, we're shaking folks. Hands. You're listening on the yeah. podcast. I'm gonna say it's if a deal. If you're at the and, uh, next Gen J school. And I'm there. Yeah. When it's over, yeah. when, whenever I finish my talk, we're yeah. bringing in blizzards. There's a blizzard place here, and uh, there's a Dairy Queen yeah, not yeah, far yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. We're going to bring them in. I'll spring for half if you spring, or the Gen J springs for I'll, half. I'll, I'll, Joel we'll might down. kill me, but I think we'll Done. do it. Yeah. Love it. All right. Love, love it. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, Tim, um, this has been incredible. We could talk for forever, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I know the, the audience is going to love it. Is there any final word you'd leave the Gen J, the Gen J students or parents with? Well, keep the faith. Yeah. This is a long, long battle. Yep. And I know it's a, frankly, tumultuous and in some ways discouraging or tough mm-hmm. time for our country, yep. for our movement. Yep. Um, I have seen, just because I'm old, but mm-hmm. I have seen dramatic dips and turns, mm-hmm. you know, moments where we had crushing defeats and you thought, how are we ever going to recover? Yep. We did. Yep. Um, I'm reminded, uh, I just read a, a section um, in Romans where Paul's writing back about Elijah, where Elijah was discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically says to God, I'm the only one. Yeah. I'm the only yeah. guy yeah. left yeah, yeah, in yeah. Israel. Yeah. I'm the, oh, it's only yep. down to me, Lord. Yep. It's only yep. me. I'm the only one. And God goes, uh, I've got 7,000 yeah. reserved yeah. just yeah, for yeah. me. Really, yeah. buddy? You're, I mean, I like you and all, right. and I love you. And I've <laughs> right. I've kept you out of, you know, I've saved right. you a few yeah. times. yeah. But no, I don't really, you're not, A, you're not the only one. I've, right. I've, and he said the word was interesting. I've either reserved or preserved. Yeah, I get yeah, the word yeah, he used. Yeah, yeah. Meaning God proactively mm-hmm. makes, yep. so when you feel like you're alone uh, or when I feel like I'm alone or when I've made a big mistake yep. or, or when my side is losing yep. and I'm down and discouraged, I know what God says. Mm-hmm. And God says, I don't leave you. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so, that's incredible. That's a perfect note to end on, Tim. Thank you so good much. To see you. We should do this again sometime. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. You bet. Bye. Hey friends, if you enjoyed today's episode of the Gen J Podcast, go ahead and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, most of the other major podcast sites and apps. Uh, If you really liked the show, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a review, uh, hopefully a good review to help other people find it. Uh, This is really helpful when we're starting out with a new show to help people connect with the podcast who are already listening to similar podcasts. We would love to stay in touch with you, so shoot us an email at info at or follow us at Generation Joshua on Instagram and Facebook. We will be back soon with another episode.